Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Joel Manby. I'm author of Love Works. And if you want to learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Joel Manby. Joel is an author, speaker, and 25-plus-year corporate CEO for companies such as Saab, Hershen Family Entertainment, and SeaWorld. During his tenure, Joel focused on implementing leadership principles guided by love. As a result, he's now written Love Works, which is founded on seven timeless principles of agape love. These principles can be applied to every organization. Guys, it's going to be such an amazing conversation with Joel. We're getting to some really cool things. But first, really quickly, if you are a seven-figure-plus entrepreneur and you know that a podcast could benefit your business or your personal brand in some way, but you're just not exactly sure how to get it out into the world, then head over to travischapel.com slash podcast. There's a quick application there and we'll see if maybe my team could build out a show for you. That way you can focus on what you're good at, which is owning your company, being the CEO, being the, the CMO, whatever your role is there and servicing your clients and customers. We can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash podcast. 
podcast. Joel, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Well, thanks for having me, Travis. I'm really excited about it and I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Let's go ahead and dive in here, Joel, because I mean, you have such a illustrious resume here of all the different things you've been able to be a part of in your three decade long career here and, and then getting into the book. And I definitely want to talk to you about the book a little bit uh, later on, which by the way, if you're listening to this right now, it's called Love Works. Joel Manby, go look it up, pick up a copy right now before we get into the rest of the stuff. Um, I promise you it's going to be worth your time. So Joel, let's take it all the way back. Talk like middle school here, like 12, 13 year old Joel Manby. What was going on with you at that time in life? I grew up in Battle Creek, Michigan, Travis. So uh, that might tell you something right there. It's the serial capital of the world, but it's uh, it's middle of the Midwest, really small town. And you know, I think the the formative issue for me that a lot of your listeners might relate to is I grew up actually very poor. My dad was a failed entrepreneur. He had a tractor dealership that went bankrupt. We had about five years where he's only bringing home about $50 a year. And I remember those periods so well because all the tension and the fights in our house were typically over money. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with this real aversity to either debt or to also just not have enough. And it drove me. And I'm telling people this because I'm not sure that's all positive. You know, I made a lot of decisions like what school I went to, what career I went to into even based more on where I could make the most money versus what I really truly love to do. Now, I got there. I was able to intersect business with what I love to do eventually, but I wish in hindsight I had spent a little bit more time and taken more risk doing what I really wanted to do, which was acting and stage work and things like that. And so I would say at that age, I was really focused on not being like my family was. I love my parents. My parents loved me. It wasn't that, but I didn't want to be in that same situation. I didn't want that financial tension. So yeah. that's that's the biggest thing I remember about growing up, Frank. Yeah, I didn't want to have to worry about which lights you left on or if the door was open when the air was on and things like that, right? And you know what? It never leaves you, Travis. I still to this day, if my wife leaves the refrigerator open for three <laughs> seconds, I'm like panicking because my dad would, you know, I didn't bring you up to air condition the house or... <laughs> yeah, the Neighborhood, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> off all the lights, you know. You want to pay the medical or the electric bills, but anyway. Do you remember having that awareness being really young, or did it take you, you know, teenager or college before you started realizing like this is not how everybody lives, and I definitely don't want to live this? You way. know, when I realized that Travis is actually an interesting story. I hit this winning home run for my little league team at about nine years old. And it was this big city tournament, final game, you know, bases loaded, grand slam, won the game. The whole team goes to A&W, which, you know, most of them are gone now, but it's the root beer place. And my dad wouldn't take me. And I started crying. And when I got home, my mom put me to bed. I just said, why doesn't dad love me? Well, you know, he doesn't even take me to the game or the A&W. She said, hey, He's making payroll tomorrow and he doesn't have enough to even make payroll. And that's when it hit me as a kid that, whoa, this is really serious. And I'm not dragging on my dad. He was a wonderful, caring man, but that's when it hit me. Sure. Yeah. And and those moments really start to shape who you become and who you want to become really at that point, because it sounds like after that, there was really a trajectory for you, an on-purpose trajectory to make sure that that wasn't going to be you later on in life. And so was that majorly influencing your decision for like post-high school activity? It was. Actually, I wanted to be a pro baseball player too, but I went to a tryout camp for the Tigers and um, I made two of the cuts, but when I was batting against the um, 90 mile an hour pitchers, I 
I looked like a ceiling fan at the plate. I was like waving at the ball. So <laughs> that didn't work out. And, but it was at that point, I was literally 22 years old, graduating from undergrad. And I applied to Harvard for business school and was just fortunate enough to get in. I think if I didn't get in there, I'm not sure what exactly I would have done, but that put me on that trajectory, kind of going into a good business school then getting out and so forth. But I, I only tell that story, just I, I would advise any young person Focus first on what you're really, really passionate about and what you're really good at. And as you know, the money tends to take care of itself. And being an entrepreneur is great and being in business is great. I'm glad I chose that over, let's say, being a lawyer, which I would have been a, a terrible lawyer. That's the advice I would give. Just, just really focus on what you love. I think young people now get so spoiled to the fact that it's so easy. And I say that as being one of them, like, as it's so easy for us to just kind of like take that for granted and without realizing that this stuff literally didn't exist, you know, no. even a decade ago, let alone two, three decades ago for us to be able just to jump in and, you know, kids now get to play video games for a living and get paid a million dollars to play in video <laughs> games. That blows my mind, you know, and that even, that's even speaking from my, like, so I'm 27, speaking my perspective as like a younger person, but still having a huge gap between me and the generation under me, it seems so weird even just those things, like being able to pursue those passions. So I really appreciate you spending some time on that advice. So post-college, what was the first thing for you? Well, so after business school, I actually helped start Saturn Corporation, which is a car company that has now, it was part of General Motors. They had to lose the brand going through their bankruptcy, but it was a very successful launch of a small car. It really brought the whole no-haggle approach to to business and to yeah. automobiles. Before then, it was always haggling. And now this one price concept has really stuck. And what it taught me, Travis, is even in a business as big and complex and competitive as the auto industry, there was still a way to carve out a niche. And we were the first company truly to focus on how people are treated in buying the car. And no one else had ever focused on that. It was always about the car and not the car buying experience. Mm -hmm. And that one little twist made Saturn stand out in an incredibly crowded marketplace. And so... Even though, let's say, podcasting or other things today that are popular ways to, to go into business or just online virtual businesses, it's still critical to carve out a niche where you're providing value that other people are not and just do that better than anybody else. But that's what I really learned at Saturn. And then because of my success at Saturn and, and mostly young people were there, kind of a big break I got in my career. And as part of, you know, you talk about mentoring a lot and getting the right kind of people around you. My boss at Saturn was the CEO of Saturn and he knew that Saab needed a CEO and they were half owned by General Motors. So he put my name in because Saab basically greatest car in the world, but one of the most horrible marketed cars, horrible distribution. Saturn had great marketing and great dealerships, but not such a great car. <laughs> yeah, right. A fantastic car with, you know, lousy dealers and lousy marketing. So because of that, I was a perfect fit. I got that job within the GM system at 35 years old, which is really young within the GM system. And that was, and that big break happened because I did a really good job for a person who was really well connected, who had mentored me and he gave me that opportunity. And then I loved that time. But the reason I shifted to uh, theme parks was really just some personal battles, the travel, international travel of autos. And uh, it's then that I went into theme parks and uh, I was on the board of Hershey Entertainment, but they asked me to come in and be their chairman of the board. And there had only been one chairman of that company for 50 years. His name was Jack Hershend. And that's why it's called Hershend Entertainment. But that's why I made that in my career, kind of that abrupt shift from 20 years in the auto industry 
to going into the theme park industry. It was mostly lifestyle. And it was mostly because I saw something in his company as a board member that was really, really different about how they led and how they treated people. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Was it at all any sort of culture shock for you to have that stark of an industry change? Or was it pretty much kind of the same stuff that you were doing? Did your skill set translate really well? Or did you feel like you had to do a ton of work at that point too? That's a great question. I would say, Travis, for all your listeners, great leadership is great leadership. And I'm not, I'm not saying I was a great leader necessarily. I think I became one over time through a lot of mistakes and hard work. But the big thing about senior leadership is, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you're so focused on growing your own portfolio and kind of your own results. We all are. But then you get into your early 40s. And I I started worrying more about the people working for me and developing their careers. And when you get to that mindset, it multiplies. You can grow faster. You delegate faster. You can That's how these CEOs build these huge companies. They can only do that through delegation and giving people a lot of of rope. And that's a skill that's learned. So that was transferable. But the biggest thing I learned at Hershend that's applicable to this conversation, the auto industry was a cutthroat, autocratic, dog-eat-dog kind of business world. And of course, that's, you know, 30 years ago, a lot of things have changed. But I felt that whole time, Travis, this angst inside, knowing there has to be a better way to lead. You've got to be able to get results without treating people like General Motors was treating people at the time. So the biggest thing I learned was you didn't have to lead like I was taught in the auto industry. And Jack Hershend 
actually taught me the methodology of leading with love, which I know sounds really soft. It's not. It's actually agape love. It's a verb. It's how you treat people, not how you feel about them. And so we literally paraphrase seven words of agape love, and we taught our leaders to love the guest, love other people, and it created this unbelievable culture. And we outperformed every theme park company and the regional sector financially, but we also had low turnover, high engagement scores. And just, it taught me so much that finally, and I was literally 42 years old by now, finally I found the answer to how you can treat people well, get great results, and grow a company quickly. So in hindsight, I'm so glad I made that shift out of automobiles because I became a much, much better leader. How much of your ability to lead your the skill sets that really took you throughout your career? How, how much of that skill set development do you attribute to relationships with mentors like Jack Hershen? I think almost all of it. Or if I include my parents, you know, my parents taught me my values. My parents taught me to treat people kindly. My mother, you know, she taught me one thing, which is every time you come into contact with someone, you can make their day better or make their day worse. And why not make their day better? And it's such a simple concept, but she taught me that and how she treated other people. So the answer is, I completely agree with your philosophy and what you're about and that, especially for the kind of person you want to be. I think to be great in business is, is both who you know and what you know, but who you know shapes who you are. And that's really what makes you successful. So Don Hudler is the guy who gave me that opportunity at Saab, that promotion from Saturn to Saab, and then Jack Hershen, he took me from a good leader to a great leader. But there's another thing that I think might be helpful to your listeners. You know, so often in the United States anyway, we kind of act like the CEO should be the know-all and do-all and the, the person who has to have all the answers. And the bigger the company gets and the higher you go up in the company, the less and less you know about all of its aspects. So you have to learn to listen, to get the facts and delegate. But for me, it even multiplied because I went from autos to theme parks as the CEO. So I knew nothing about theme parks. So it amplified that. I actually became a better leader when I went into an industry that I did not know because I listened better. I asked tough questions. I didn't take anything for granted like I did in the auto industry. So I would encourage people, if you're smart and aggressive and you learn, you can really run a lot of different things because you learn to I would call it the Socratic method of leadership versus autocratic. Automobiles, it was autocratic. Come to me, I have the answers, let's get it done. I'm not saying that's negative, but it only takes you so far and it only takes you to a certain size company. If you really want to go to the next size or the next level in leadership, I think Socratic type question answering is really important. I actually do go into that quite a bit in the book about how to do it and how to think about it, how to ask questions last in meetings, don't talk first because then you don't get the truth and things like that. So, you know, I, I would say it's both who I met, but also the fact that Jack took me into a brand new industry, gave me the CEO job. So I was forced to listen to his employees, which was pretty smart. I think he knew he had great employees and I needed to shut up and listen. <laughs> yeah. And that a good leader recognizes that not in you to be able to jump in as a CEO and take advice from all the people that technically report to you. 
says a lot about who you are and your character to be able to jump into a situation like that because there's a lot of ego in the world. You know, I've asked that who you know or what you know question to every guest that's ever come on the show. And that answer that you just gave, Joel, is, is one of the most unique ones we've ever gotten, which is it's not even about reverse engineering the success that you want or the career or the position or the title that you want. It's about reverse engineering who you want to be. Right. And who you know is definitely the thing that shapes who you are going to be the most, especially comparatively to just the knowledge that you gain or the wisdom that you can apply into the position that you're in. So really, really appreciate that insight there. And I appreciate you noticing that because I, I, I've listened to some of your podcasts and I do know that I agree with that. Reverse engineering from what you want to do is critically important. But I would argue if you have all that and you're not the right kind of person by surrounding yourself with high quality high integrity, smart people, it will only take you so far. And so I'm very fortunate to have great friends and great mentors that have taught me the right thing. Now, I've made a ton of mistakes and I've I've had some really bad points in my life, like flat on my back, depressed, you know, ready to check out. So I don't want to paint this picture that it's always been great. And, you know, I, I do talk about that more in the book, just people want that story because I think too many times CEOs like me come on, you know, it's always a highlight reel. And you know, no one's been alive for 60 years like I have without a, a, some really heavy low light reels that I just want to make sure I make that point. Let's talk a little bit more about the book then. So it's called Love Works and it's those seven principles that you and your mentor Jack implemented into the culture of the company that you're running at the time, which was Person Family Entertainment. Travis, the premise of the book in a nutshell is that to have the best highly productive culture in any company, you should not just focus on the do goals, but the be goals. And do goals are what you and I do every day. You have to have so many people on your podcast. You want so much revenue, so many listeners, margin, whatever it is. We all focus on that in business and we have to. But be goals, back to your point earlier on your question on mentorship, it's what kind of person and leader do we want to be? And it's both. It's a both and. You can't just hit the do goals, the numbers, without doing it a certain way. And that creates a consistent and strong culture. That's basically the premise of the book. It's not that you have to use those seven words of love. That's just the example. I think it's the right way, but it's for people who want to create a strong culture. And not only do we go through the definition of the words and and how to apply them, but we also talk about the processes of you got to train them. You can't just put them on a wall. Every company puts values on a wall. That doesn't differentiate you. Only 10% of the companies, though, Travis, actually put processes in place to reinforce those values. Training, development, putting it as part of our annual reviews, actually paying people more if they do the beagles and the doogles better. So it's a complete process. And the good news is, I'll give you this stat for you since it's, it's amazing. The average engagement score in the United States measured over the last 50 years by Gallup is only 30% of the people in the country actually rate their jobs as highly engaged the top score, 30%, which is just dreadful. When we would put these principles in place after buying a property, within three years, we'd be at 70 to 80% engagement at the top box level, which is real class, like Disney or Apple are at those kind of levels. So it's not just about being nice or having these beagles. It also happens to be great business. And that's the message I want people to hear, whether they're an entrepreneur or they're leading a big team or a big company or even a family, you know, your one-year-old, I think it's important to think about those beagles in our life and leadership and not just the do goals. That's what it's all about in a nutshell. 
And where can we go pick up a copy of this book? Anywhere books are sold, basically? Yeah, Amazon for sure. But if they go to joelmanby.com, it's the same price, free shipping, just like Amazon. And I do have some additional things like a three-part series on how to lead in a crisis right now, how those words apply in a crisis. Because let's face it, Travis, these are some of the most difficult leadership times we've all ever gone through, maybe ever will go through. And so I try to help leaders think through how they can lead better in this crisis. So joelmanby.com or Amazon. As we always say here on the show, as soon as you hear a book recommendation, just go pick it up um, and add it to the list. Because if we wait at all, you're going to let all the other things that are vying for your attention get in the way of getting that book. So make sure you go pick up a copy of it's also an audible too. If people like to listen, which I do even better. Yep. Yeah. Listen I, twice I, as fast. That's me for sure. Is yeah. The audible version. Can we go into some of those seven principles? Let, let's Absolutely. say maybe top two or three, or and maybe they're not ranked or whatever, but just give us yeah. two. Yeah, well, I'll just say the seven, but I'll only, I'll only go into a couple of them. It's being patient and kind being trusting, being truthful, being forgiving, being selfless, and being dedicated. And I'll talk about a couple, especially in regards to the crisis right now. I think kindness, it's not about being nice all the time, but it is about being encouraging and enthusiastic. And right now, with Zoom calls and being distant from people, it's, it's more important than ever to give people some positive vibes. Actually, Henry Cloud, who's written a lot of good books, he's a psychologist, says that the human brain is wired, that we need five times the positives for each negative. And you think about no leader gives five for everyone, but it's a good goal, whether it's a handwritten note or just a a note of thanks. And uh, Jack Hirschen used to start his day every day thinking about yesterday and He'd spend 20 minutes just writing thank you notes to people and his notes were everywhere before he got on the phone, before he got caught up in email. And that practice just created this real engaging and enthusiastic culture and encouraging culture. So that's, that's one kindness. I think right now, trust is a really important word. Most entrepreneurs I see or nonprofit leaders, they tend to, in a crisis, we tend to control more versus delegating more. And actually in a crisis, you have to move quickly. And to move quickly, you have to delegate and decision-making has to be clear for everybody, which gets into a RASI chart, you know, who's responsible, who has to be approving, who has to be consulted, who has to be informed. That's a RASI chart. That's also in the book, but it's just important to trust people and delegate, or you're going to move too slow in this crisis but it's counterintuitive to what we naturally do. I think the last one I'd I'd go into is truthfulness. In all my years in business, I would say the number one thing that great leaders or bad leaders lack is being truthful with people, really telling them where the company is or where you are as an individual. And there's a lot of tools in the book of how to do that. Difficult conversations are never easy, but it's critical because as you know, people read distruth or selling from a mile away. And if you're not authentic in this crisis, you're going to lose. And look, there's nothing wrong with being fearful. It's okay to be fear. We're all a little fearful or we're not human beings because this is scary. We're not sure when this is going to end. So be authentic and be truthful with your team. Those are three. And I think I go to them more, obviously, but um, it just gives you a feel for what they're about. To 
reemphasize that first point too. I've been going through a book recently called uh, Hardwiring Happiness, and it talks about the same thing about how much positive things that we need in order to be able to offset the negative things. And that's got to be exaggerated, especially 2020, but over the last five to 10 years with the you know invention of social media and uh, all the different echo chambers that people find themselves in that are just oh. negative echo chambers. Yes. Negative. With dozens of touch points of negativity, hundreds of touch points of negativity on a daily basis. And so you really have to on purpose fill your mind with positivity or you're just always going to be in these down, weird, bad moods and just find yourself not really knowing why. Just like, why am I even upset? Why am I so down in the dumps right now? Nothing really happened. It's just because you're constantly putting negativity into your body and whatever you put into your mind, whatever you put into you, your, your body is eventually what comes out. It's what your input becomes your output. There's no doubt about it, Travis. And that's why you need you know, mentors that, like you said, that are positive to you. And you as a leader, you can't be positive to your employees unless you're positive to yourself. One of the words is forgiveness. And I I think forgiving ourselves right now is one of the most important things because none of us are leading like we want to lead. It's just flat out hard out there. And there's a lot of different difficult decisions. So forgiveness is a mindset of being positive, like you said, and moving forward. It it is so, so critical because our our bodies are miracles, Travis. They want to heal. They want to be healthy, but our minds are our worst enemies of creating negativity, which makes it impossible to be enthusiastic and encouraging to other people. So you've hit the nail on the head. I, I need to read that book because that's a good reminder. Yes, sir. Well, Joel, I appreciate your time today. I want to be respectful here and uh, we'll go ahead and move into the last segment that I have for you. This is the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Okay. This is just like ESPN when they hit 15 second questions. That's exactly right. Yep. Okay. I just got a little nervous and started sweating a little bit. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's working. It's working. <laughs> what profession, and you may have already answered this at the very beginning of this actually, but what profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? <laughs> well, yeah, baseball. But actually, um, I actually have a desire on my bucket list to, to be a live stage performer, like play the piano or drums with a band. My brothers and I had a band when we were little, but we never played in a restaurant. And I just, I want to do that. I want to be a rock star for if, even for a night and get fired because we're not good enough. (laughs) If you could sit on a park bench with somebody, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Uh, Jesus Christ. Pretty good answer. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I like listening because I can listen to it faster, high speeds when I'm driving, and and probably books and podcasts are what I like the most. What would be a book that you would recommend to the audience? It's an older one, but Jim Collins, who's a great business author, leadership author, he, he wrote one called How the Mighty Fall. And it basically is that more businesses go out of business because of indigestion, not starvation, trying to do too much. And it's just a really good analysis of how not to fail. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Oh man, that's great. I actually, when I'm on my game, and I'm not always on my game, I get up early, I have quiet time. I usually read some scripture, then I read some good books. I write. I write and I journal uh, about yesterday, and I write something that I like to share publicly. But that quiet time, that quietness is just so critical before I get into the race of the day. When I'm off my game, I go right into the race of the day, and it's so easy to become negative when I'm doing that because in that quiet time, I'm counting my blessings. I actually go through those same seven words of love because that's the kind of person I want to be. 
I even have a mantra, you know, I want to be patient, I want to be kind, I want to be da 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 to keep that positivity. So those are a few things I do in the morning. What is your go-to pump up song? <laughs> right now it's it's uh, my shot from Hamilton, not throwing away my shot. I also love the introduction of George Washington. They're both from Hamilton right now because I just can't get enough of Hamilton. I've, I've seen it live nine times. I've watched it on Disney. I just think it's the greatest musical ever written. And I love the way it reflects our nation's history, which we have a lot to be proud of in this country. Sometimes I, I feel like we're forgetting that. It's a pretty good place to live given the alternatives. What is something that you are just not very good at? I'm not very good swimmer. I'm not very good chess player. How's that? Those are good answers. Yeah, those are good answers. As we get everything wrapped up here, Joel, what is one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? It would be joelmanby.com. And then from there, it'll connect you to the blogs and some of the writing and the books and so forth. So that would be the best place, joelmanby.com. Perfect. So head over to Joel Manby, M-A-N-B as in boy, Y. That's joelmanby.com. Make sure to go check out some of his stuff. Please go pick up a copy of his book. If you are in a leadership role, which if you're listening to the show, you probably are, then you definitely need to go pick up a copy of Love Works and give it a good read and probably a reread from this conversation that we've had today. So uh, go pick up that copy and uh, thank me later. Joel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was an awesome conversation. I had a lot of fun. Thanks, Travis. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high-quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls. There's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.